0: Hi there, I'm Jonathan Dodge with a warm welcome to Sporting Live's episode 15. Now this time we move into the third and final part of the Richard Mathers trilogy, and we begin with a bang, because here's the exclusive on what really went on when Richard was at Castleford Tigers. We've got to ask you uh, about Castleford. Now I've been having sleepless nights waiting for you to tell me about uh, about this, but in 2011, you go to cast. Terry Matteson is around. Yeah. Um, and to, to cut a long story short, Uh, he moves on yes, and in comes Ian Millward
1: Um, what happened next Uh, so yeah so left Warrington signed for Cass Terry Matterson, fantastic bloke he left Um, family reasons and then that was over the off season and um, I was playing golf I wasn't having a beer I was playing golf at the time and my agent rang and he said um Basil, as it was called, I said it was Basil. I and mean, Ian Millward, he don't, he, d- he don't want you anymore. So I said, what do you mean he don't want me? So I said he don't want you. He wants to go with Richie Owen. So I said, well that don't make sense. I'd met, I'd met, I'd met him once in an elevator after the uh, 2005 Challenge Cup final, um, and I'd not done anything wrong to him by the way. Um, so, so I said, well that don't make sense. I'd signed a big contract and I still had two years to run on it so I I said well that's ridiculous so left it and it was like really like just after the season had finished and just after the denounced Ian Millward had signed so it grumbled on and grumbled on and then uh, first uh, first day pre-season usually the first week of November so just before then agents rang and said he, don't, uh, he, he said, you're not allowed to go in. They don't want your training there. So I said, what, why, why? like I've, I've done nothing wrong. You, you could ask any of the players there. Uh, he said, uh, you know, he wants, basically wanted me off the salary cap and to keep Richie Owen cause St. Helens was sniffing after Richie Owen at the time, which is fine. So I said, well, surely he's never cut. Co- I've never met him before surely he'd have the decency to have a chat with me, but why wouldn't you let me do like pre-season me versus Richie Owen and then whoever's best pick him. And uh, you know, that's a logical thing. He went, he won't have it. So I said, well, what do I do? So he said, well, you're gonna to have to stay at home. So I said, well, that's just bonkers. So I rang Jeff Burrard, GMB. And he said, well, you can't do that. So he grumbled on and grumbled on. And they said right well you can go in once a week he don't want you to go into any of the team sessions in case you steal any of his ideas uh and i went right still i said you know i've played under tone so he said you can go in you can do your weights um you can do because they were contract i they were contract they had to provide me with some form of training yeah. so i had to do weights at um, a, pu- a public gym at four o'clock uh, with a assistant conditioner every other day, and I'm allowed to do the wrestling sessions on a Friday afternoon. So this went on for a couple of weeks, and I said, "Craig, this is ridiculous." I said, "Like, what? what what's you know what's going on?" So, I, so I said, "I want a meeting with him." I said, "Like, what, is he not man enough to meet with me I said, "Like, like there's got to be more to this than than than." Meets the AI or You're not telling me. T- I started to doubt him, so he arranged a meet. Arranged a meeting with me and him first. So I've gone into his office and he said, "You're not. You know. I don't. I, you're not going to play. um uh, Richard's going to be my first choice fullback. So I've got in full defence defence mode here. And I thought, well, you, you picked like the wrong person here. So I said, well, Ian, I'm on X amount of money, and I've got two years left. I said, I ain't going anywhere. So he said, like I won't swear, uh, he said, well, you'll be painting the effing fences and you'll be cutting the grass and you'll be doing every, every, everything by playing for this club while I'm in charge. So I said, but where's this come from? And he said, um, "And he said, well, that's what you'll be doing. Uh, so you better speak to your agent and uh, find another club. So I said, I'll tell you what, Ian. And he had been called Ian, he was always Basil. So I said, I'll tell you what Ian, just let me know tomorrow what time you want me to come and cut grass and paint fences. I said, because I've won everything in this, in this, in um, this, that I, that I could could win. I said, I'm not having you, you know, dictate to me. I said, it's not fair. I said, why not just do... Um, like let me do pre-season and judge who's the best at the end of it. So it rumbled on and rumbled on. And then Craig, Harris and my agent said, we need, this is ridiculous. So it got into sort of starting November time. And um, he said, we need a meeting with Richard Wright, who was a Casford CEO at the time, Ian Millward and yourself, me and, and me and Craig. So we went at six o'clock in the, in the you know, the little bar upstairs yep. at, at Cass. So we're all sat around the table and um craig's my agent started it off and i and i turned so ian was sat to my right so i said can i just ask can I, I just want to know why you know what, what what's where I you know where's this come from and he's he said don't bat me in a corner so i said well it's, it's it's a simple question he went don't effing back me in a corner i said what what are you getting mad for i said I said you're a grown man. I said you've coached Saint Helens. He said, "I said I just don't understand." But Richard Wright's looking mortified over here. So I said, uh, "So I said what you can't even answer where it's come from." And he slammed the table. I won't do it because I'll I'll wreck your keyboard. (laughs) He slammed the table, stood up and shouted, "Don't you effing back me in a corner!" And cripped me. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Come on, we're going." And then we got in the car Craig were driving and Richard Wright called on the way back and he said I'm so sorry like you know I'm really sorry how we behaved and this that, and other and Craig said to him he said you've got a glimpse of when it's going to go wrong here you've had a glimpse of what you're gonna to have to face and the ironic thing was um they ended up having to pay me my full wages and pay me to play for Wakefield for the next two years so the the cost they paid me two my full wages, plus I got my wages off Wakefield separately, and they had to pay me every game I played for Wakefield. So I thought, my had gone with it, I thought, screw you. I got £500 for every game I played for Wakefield, paid by Cass at end of every month.
0: So this salary cap thing, obviously um, a dream comment. Did you ever get to find to this day, historic. to this day. if
1: you put a million pound, Jonathan, on this table now and, and say, "What, what were the real story?" Still to this got that day, no idea. Done nothing. Done nothing wrong. not wrong. don't know. could not tell you.
0: Do, For, do, do, no, nobody no, else. No, it, no, it was no, never any whispers that it, got no, back to you no. from anybody.
1: I'd, you know, I'd not done anything wrong. You know, I'm a good character. I think it, it, uh, my own my own personal feeling was Saint St. Helens was sniffing around Richie Owen at the time, and they couldn't afford to keep us both because I was on a good deal, and they wanted to upgrade Richie. So I think they wanted me to just sign for week take a payout, a compromise agreement, of thirty grand, which you can do tax free and walk away. I'm like, man, I've got I just had blossomed my eldest daughter. I ain't going anywhere. I'll paint these fences. You picked the wrong person here. Um, but the ironic thing is they paid me two years full of money and £500 to play for a team with their, their direct rivals for two years. Wow. But a horrible, horrible man.
0: Well, um, there you go. You're getting it first on uh, Sporting Lives um, today, folks. Uh, interesting. Okay. Um, he moved on. You moved on. Uh, there was uh, the Wakey and the London Broncos years. And I particularly, I mean, Wakefield, uh, I don't want to be dismissive about any of the, the clubs you've played for at all. It's, it's more of a of a time towards the end of the recording um, situation. Is this one? Uh, Richard Agar, of course, um, as we're recording this, is is now in situ as the, the head coach at um, you know, Headingley. has had. Uh, the France job in the past I used to watch him a lot in my early days reporting when he played for Dewsbury Rams him and Barry Eaton with that great halfback combi that yeah. they used to have in the Northern Ford Premiership as they call it at the time and he he's in charge when you go to Wakey you clearly get on well with um, with Rich uh, and a two or three um, good seasons your last three seasons in in Super League um, yeah. spent with Wakefield and, and a typically sort of Wakefield up and down time I think you're probably there when they have that seven-match winning run, which I can't remember, yeah, remember yeah. having before or since yeah. in the Super League era at yeah, least. Yeah. And then some uh, battles with, you know, with oh, the wrong end of the table as yeah. well.
1: It was um, it, it were, it were brilliant, brilliantly bonkers. Um, Rich taught me things I'd never, bearing in mind I'd been coached by some very, very, very good coaches. Um, Rich taught me things about the game that I'd never even thought about. Um it was a brilliant man manager, and he it brought a lot of uh, so i wasn't wanted by cass banker came was on the scrappy peter fox was on you know it brought we used to call ourselves a bunch of gypsies uh, no nobody wanted us um but what rich did and martin clawson james Webster uh stinger the physio, so that our little cluster um he forged a unbelievable team spirit and a style of play. We played some really, really good rugby over that three years, uh, orchestrated by Tim Smith, who was an absolute genius, bonkers off the field, had his issues, um, but unbelievably talented. But then you had the circus off the field where you weren't getting paid. There, there were, there's a famous story where Kath Everington was helping out at, w- at one stage and I was vice captain and Kermo was captain and he was a bit of a scaredy cat, Kermar. And uh, we used to have to do the changing, we used to have to um, do the gym under the under the Benidorm flats and then we'd go and train at a local park, literally at a local park. So we're, depth, depths of winter, absolutely blathered. Then have to go back for lunch and then do your second session but the, uh, the fuse for the boiler had gone and it was freezing, depth of winter. So I said to Kim, I said, go have a word of Kath. I said, this is ridiculous. No, I ain't going. I said, you us. get. I said, I'll go. So I've gone, covered. And it uh, was just after Michael had, so um, Andrew Glover and James Elston had it that first year. And then Michael came in. Michael's a great guy. A uh, Little bit naive at the start, hence why I got Kath in, but has done a f- fabulous job with Wakefield. Got a lot of time for Michael. So Michael sat in one one park thing and uh, Kath sat uh in the other and anyone who come across Kath will know what type of characters are. I got on really well with Kath. So I've got so I've gone up blathered and I said, Kath, I said, can't we get these boilers, this fuse for this boiler sorted? They're only 200 quid. She said, and I won't repeat it again. She said, Yeah, uh, the stainers they are, because it'll tough, it'll toughen you soft but. Set her b's <laughs> bee, bees up, and I looked at her. I said, "Cath, we're a Super League team here." I said, that, "That's out of order." Stood my ground. She says, "Nah, you need toughening up. Should the stayed as you are." So I said, "Michael, you're." And they went. So I like my. I've lost, but like you know, just to give you a bit of context. So like you talk about salary caps and Leeds and Wiggins and Warrington's, the disparity of your cassis and Wakefield's facilities wise. But um, it, it, Rich created a really, really good um, bond, team spirit, style of playing. And we just honestly, and I don't say this flippantly, I, I had as, as an enjoyable three years at Wakefield. And if you ask any of the other lads who play there, um, as I did at any time in my career, just because we were the underdogs, we had honestly we had no no training balls, no kit, no. We did everything, um, like train like in a Rocky Balboa gym, but we just had a really really eclectic mix of characters who made it fun to go in every day.
0: And when you play for a, a club uh, like that, um, you know that you know having played for Leeds and having played for Warrington and having played for Wigan that. The, the opposition say all the right things, their respect to Wakefield and all that in the build-up to the game, but everybody's turning up expecting to win yeah. every week. So do you use that? Can you harness that uh, as, to, to your advantage as a playing unit?
1: Yeah. Well, we, Rich did... Um, so we, we um, put a system in place um, by a company called Leading Teams. Rich had a connection from his holders, um, a guy called Murph, um, who was um, a renowned sports psychologist, but about building cultures. So in short, what we put in place was, um, out of the 17 that played each week, for Wakefield to have a chance of winning, 14 of us had to play seven and above. So what we did, was we all had to grade ourselves based on, not on you know, like the League Express or Pete Smith put in, you know, six or, you know, you had to group, so we, our, our motto was relentless professionalism, one percenters, so they were like, um, but then we defined them as how they would look in a game. Um, so then you, so you didn't, so if you scored four tries, but you didn't make them um, uh, commitments that we'd made to each other, you'd so you, you scored yourself the coaches scored you, the leadership team scored you and then you'd put it all together and it, we followed it like a leaderboard. Um, so to answer your question, we knew that if we, 17, 14 of us of, would give ourselves a shot, if 10 of us did, we'd get absolutely hammered. But what we always knew was we'd always been with a shot of, we could always score points. That's one thing Richard, we, we could we throw Paul Sykes, Tim Smith, me, D- Dean Collis were a fabulous player. We was, had Paul
0: Ayton. Was Ali there by then as well? Ali,
1: yeah. yeah, Ali, Vince Mellors, Banker Kane, Peter Fox, we had plenty of points in us, couldn't defend so well but um, we were we was always in for, uh, in with a shout of, of you know, and, we, and, we, and we, we, we took some good scalps
0: yeah he did certainly did along the way i'm glad he didn't mention me by the way in um in those um player marks because i used to have to do them as well for, for uh, <laughs> league weekly and it's the worst part of the job and it? it's most people got at least six from me because yeah. i used to think if i see him after after the match and i've only given him four i used to
1: I could, don't p I, I pulled Pete a couple of times i'd yeah. say like, pete hang on a minute you, you give me four there how bad the right oh, yeah well, you know just have a, have a bit of a laugh
0: i can imagine um so um London Broncos, Bradford to to finish things off, and a betting ban down at at London. Talk
1: us through what happened with that. Yeah, just, uh, so it was a rough time as you can imagine. Um, A real, luckily I think people who know me, um, it didn't sort of cause as much reputational damage as, as it could have done. I was injured at the time, I was in Royal Kensington Hospital, I'd smashed my ankle the week before, Um, and a WhatsApp had gone round, uh, a screenshot of a WhatsApp had gone round, I forget the wording of it, of encouraging, I think London played Lee, if I'm right, Um, encouraging uh to lump on with the words um under my name or under under the whatsapp had been we we'd evidenced it to the r f l that I could change you to yeah President Obama or so yeah. on and so okay. forth um but it had been sent round and had it, done the rounds and uh spine involved Kensington hospital. I just had ankle surgery. So the first thing I knew about it, I'd come out of the hospital and the next morning the CEO, Jason Lube, had um reported it to the RFL without asking what had gone. Like, bearing in mind I'd been in the hospital, you know, had morphine and, and so on and so forth, and reported it to the RFL. I said, Well, I was about asking me first and let's try and get to the bottom of it and have I done it or have I done it. So then that just it knocked a, a chain of events. I were out for four months with my ankle. Uh anyway. Um I've got my own theories of why you would report it without trying to do a bit of an intern you know, I've I've played at good teams where I can tell you there's a lot worse gone on and they've done yeah. an internal investigation before the duty bouncer. Yeah report it but i got my own theories of of why um and then that sort of kicked a chain off of events that lasted nearly seven months so they got hired a private investigator they went through all my bank accounts all my phone records all my wife's phone records all my wife's bank accounts and it's every single betting account so that i'd ever opened um like if i played poker or you know, yeah. the, the the body of information that, that got astounded me. I, I didn't realise I could garner d- as much information. So that took sort of seven months to um, conclude and then uh, went up to the RFL and it was a three-man disciplinary panel. And within 10 minutes of sat there, I just thought, your toaster. Um, it was based on I'd got probably a little bit of I should have challenged, I should in hindsight, I should have taken it to court. Um, but it cost a lot of money. I had spoke to a solicitor. If I'd challenged it in civil court, we'd a we'd have won, but it'd co- it cost a fortune, which I didn't have at the time. I was on really good money at London, that stopped. Uh lost so I lost 18 months of earnings and that stopped straight away um, but the uh, tribunal it was and I'd got ill-advised it was based on uh, balance of probability so it's three it's it's two out of the three it's a so it's two out of three they think you've done it right. you get done whereas if I had challenged it at a civil court or gone to court it's proved beyond reasonable doubt. So I've I so they've to go back to the evidence, they didn't find anything. I gave him my phone, everything to, you know, to check through, do what you want with forensic search, all the um betting accounts, even the money deposited, any transactions, nothing there. I presented my evidence and then um we went outside, took them about 10 minutes, went back in and said, you banned for six months. I just burst into tears. I said, you've absolutely ruined my reputation. My, you know, my life, you know, it cost me, I was on decent money. I said, well, you know, you banned me for six months. So that was a really, really, really tough time. Um, you know, cause, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I'm quite well thought of in the game, you know, still, and st- still am. And luckily I think because I've been a decent person, um, I've still managed to do do all right still um but that was a real um really really tough time mentally to have your sort of integrity questioned and um i'd sort of done with the sport really and out of the blue warrington came straight within a month and offered me the welfare job to go play welfare manager which if anything i would more proud of that because then that sort of vindicated to me that you know if the people thought I genuinely do excited to get ratified by Emmy Rose Warner people at the RFL they're not going to give somebody a player welfare job who's uh allegedly done what they've done so I was really really I snuck, snapped their hand off that but then you know I was really thankful of Cal Patrick and the Club for Believing in Emma Rose one was absolutely brilliant um, to uh in, in her support with that and, and that got ratified, which one was a blessing in terms of well, you know, that sort of shows people that, you know, that, that makes it that that speaks for itself basically, that they've given me a welfare job. But um it also sort of brought a bit of closure to it. And didn't think about playing again, really. Didn't, I thought, you know, that's sort that's, of a bit, bit scored. Like I was I was bashed and bruised anyway, and you know, my knees weren't so good. And then out of the blue, Chev Walker rang, um, just picking the kids up from school, and he said, we need a fullback." I said, what are you ringing me for? Uh, he said, no, we need some experience. Jimmy's, you know, I'd I've, I've worked with Jimmy at Warrington, obviously played with Chev and Matt Diskin at, mm-hmm. um, at Leeds. And he said, do you fancy giving it a go? So I said, well, I dumbed and hard and I thought, do I really want to go through all that again? So I thought about it, I thought to myself, so I'd I'd i had some dealings with Steve Ferris. I like Steve, but he's a he's a wily old fox, Steve Ferris. Right. So I thought to myself, if I can get this number, because I didn't need it because the Warrington job. I thought, if I can get this number, I'll do it. And if I don't, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. Um, so we met at the Cedar Court Hotel in Bradford. They were like, "How much do you want?" You know, like classic Del Boy, like going back into, all like, "Well, how much are you willing to pay?" Well, how much do you want? How much do you want? And anyway, we got the deal done, and uh, and I loved it. Um, tough, tough. Like, I love playing for Jimmy. I've got a lot of time for like, class Jimmy for, as a as a friend. I you know I speak to Jimmy, obviously Shev and and, and Disco, uh, but it was um, it was a Super League club. But at Tong, but like managed terribly, and um, I don't mind going on record like Mark Green, you know, how he didn't get put into prison for some of the things he did there um, was just wrong. Um, how it was managed off the field, and you look at the demise of the poor club now, um, you know, again, probably using the wakey analogy, but not as explicit. Jimmy and, and Shev and the staff. Um at Tong were trying to do everything they could to keep it as pro- and it was mm-hmm. a professional club. Training was brilliant, video, everything you'd expect as a Super League club, but how it was run off the field was appalling.
0: Do you want to expand on that?
1: Yeah. Uh, paid late, threatened um with if we will not sign a compromise agreement. So I um I got my knee injected by a local anaesthetic, twice. So we needed to beat Dewsbury um, on the Sunday and i don't my knee the weekend before against Magic, uh, Magic against Lee. So, and I, I, they really wanted me to play and I ended up playing standoff, but my knee, my knee was, I, it was my bad knee. And um, I said, yeah, of course I'll play. So the doctor and the physio said, right, well, what we'll do is we'll, Injected with local anaesthetic um, on on Saturday, captain's run and see how we get on. So they put one sort of the left side of my knee, one in my right. Gone out for captain's run. I'm literally running around like Darren Lockyer slash Antony Minichello, like I'm 21 again. So I thought perfect that that that's worked. Next day game day, still sockets wore off, but I thought well I'll just get that done again. Put. One in each side again. Played, I won't say I ran, but managed to get through all that. And then put another two in at half time, played next second half. We got beat as it happened, so they were pointless having it done. But then the next day, bearing in mind, I've done two cruciates, it was as big as a football in my right knee. So I've gone and I'm like, listen, that's not right. Um, so they sent me for a scam. Um, after i an hour and they were skin, they once sent me one, for one so I had to do some shouting and screaming to this Mark Green and uh, I had to get Jeff Burrow again involved um, went for a scan there was that much fluid on it they couldn't tell what was up with it so I had to go see the surgeon in Wales and he just asked me what had happened he said just talk me through what's happened so I told him exactly what I've just told you about local anaesthetic and he sat back and I had the physio sat there and he went You've put local anaesthetic in your knee, and he looked at the physio, and he went, "You do know you never, ever, ever, ever put local anaesthetic in a knee joint ever, and you've put six in in f- 24 hours." So I've just like looked at the physio, and I'm like, "Are you, are you serious?" Um, so then he's gone in there, and he said, that, "Well, the scans that." Uh, inconclusive because of the swelling the only way we can find out is by going in there and because it, obviously i couldn't feel it it'd gone in opened it up i told me pcl clean off the bone i'd ripped all my meniscus clean off the bone i'd chipped all the because i'd ripped all the meniscus off the bone i'd been smashing my bone my tib and fib against each other so we're all like that. So I'd had to shave it so i've come round Thinking, me thinking it would only be like a scope. And he said to me, he said, if you, if I'd hadn't, his exact words were Mr. Mathers, he said, if I hadn't known your age and how fit you were, the state of your knee when I went in there, I'd have replaced it. He said, you need a knee replacement. So, go, so, um, so, so I said, um, you can re- rehab it and blah 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 I said sod that I had rehabbing it to go and play for that you know, after what they've done to me so then all the fun and games started they were like threatening not to pay me um, off- offered um, and I'm it's true, so I'm happy to say it. So, it's, so we, I said, we'll send a compromise agreement through, um, something fair. Well, you know, I said, hey, I ain't playing again after what's gone on medically. That's an absolute joke. I've got a wife and two kids I want to look after. Send a compromise agreement through, uh, like a eight page document, which is all supposedly an RFL standard one. Bar the back page is is your financials. So I'm looking at it, thinking it's fine because the financials looked okay on the back. But then I've got a solicitor, uh, Hayworth in, in Harrogate, Deborah Hayworth, who's a friend, a family friend. And I said, can you, can I just send this to you? I said, because I don't trust this guy, but it might just be me in my own mind. And she highlighted it and she said, uh, so the company name, so say the last numbers were one, two, three, four, it were four, three, two, one at the start. And in her, her words were, she said, in 25 years of practice, that's the most convoluted and forget the other word um, dishonest um, agreement or paperwork I have ever seen. And she wrote this email to to Mark and copied me in, and some of the language he was screaming and down the phone. I said, we'll deal with the solicitor, um, but he were was ter- terrible, terrible. To, because what happened was lads who signed I don't know if you remember like the debacle lads were signing them left right and center thinking they would get the money then they didn't get a penny of it because they'd signed it and I I was the only one who got it checked with a solicitor yeah and if I hadn't done I'd have, I'd have been same as the other lads wow
0: what a story to uh, to bring us to a conclusion on. Listen, um, I could sit and talk to you for the next several hours. I'm sure we've got loads more gems to talk about. Maybe we can even do a part uh, yeah. two at some point. Um, you are a media man's dream. You're clearly Sasha and the girls' dream. Um, you've been a, a rugby league fan's dream as well to watch from the terraces. And I think uh, in view of what you've just been telling us as well, you're obviously probably a sports lawyer's dream. <laughs> yes. um, so uh, get in touch. If you want to sponsor the podcast, yes, Sports Lawyers, um, uh, fine. You've got some great material to work with there. Uh, listen, thanks folks for for watching. Uh, don't forget Jonathan Dodge at Hotmail.com, at Sporting Lives one or even at Jonathan Doidge on on Twitter. Um, but most of all, my thanks go to uh, to Richard Mathers because um, that's uh, some incredible stories. Uh, a fantastic, fantastic rugby league career, We barely even scratched the surface, even internationally with England. So we probably will have to come back and well, do, do, a part two, mate. do something more again. Um, I mean, what I've got to say to you, apart from thank you, is that we hope uh, health-wise after what happened to you, and I know I, um, I uh, poked a little bit at, at that at the start, but yeah. really really hope oh, that, that there are no hiccups on that front and things run smoothly from here on in we've not even got to to where you're working now in um with Goodyear yes yeah with Goodyear yeah. at the moment so um maybe that's something else that we can uh, we about can talk time. to you about in the future um but brilliant thanks very yeah. much for your time no
1: thank you for uh, for your kind words uh, i've really enjoyed it uh thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to uh to part two, as and when uh, you require. But, yeah, thank you for having me on, Jonathan. I've really, really enjoyed it, mate.
0: There we are, then. The Richard Mathers story is complete. Well, almost. Something tells me we might hear from him again in the future. My thanks to ICS and Sam Bridges for their assistance in producing Sporting Lives. Don't forget, if you haven't yet done so, please subscribe to Sporting Lives with Jonathan Deutsch on Podbean, on iTunes or Spotify or whichever forum you're currently listening on to receive all future episodes free of charge. Also, check out the video versions on YouTube. Next up is episode 16, and we'll turn our attentions to cricket and hear from former New Zealand Test star turned TV commentator Simon Duell. Give us a follow on both Facebook and Twitter on at SportingLives1 so you don't miss the release of that next exciting episode. Thanks again for your support, and until the next time on Sporting Lives, it's goodbye from me, J.D.